Welcome to the Jacob's Wall podcast and Merry Christmas. We are getting ready to start our series called Home for Christmas. It's a great celebration because we're moving into our new church home. We're celebrating a lot of different ministries that are helping people find home. But one of the twists we're going to find about this is what happens when home is something of a disappointment. That longing, that ache to have a place to belong, it just doesn't quite fit. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this week in week one of Home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. Doesn't that sound great? Somebody going, eh, I don't know. It's a conflicted thing, isn't it? This thing of home. It's this thing we long for. It's this thing we love. But also, it's pretty messy. I mean, there might be a few of you who have the perfect kind of home for Christmas kind of scenario. And we're real happy for you about that. But, but for the rest of us, <laughs> home is complicated. Uh, so we're going to be talking about home. We're going to be talking about home. We're going to be talking about a lot of things related to home this, this Christmas season. But one of the big challenges I have for you this Christmas season related to everything we're talking about is to lean in to longing, is to lean in to the ache for something more. You say, oh, you don't understand, Paul, that just haunts me, and I want to push that thing away. Well, well, here's what I want to challenge you to do this Christmas season. I want to challenge you to make friends with that ache, with that longing. I'm going to show you over the next couple of weeks how God can actually use that longing for things like home and meaning and significance, and eternity in a way that can just absolutely change. In fact, when we start putting our longing, listen now, into the right thing, it frees all the other aspects of our life to not have so much pressure on them. We put a lot of pressure on home, don't we? I I, I found this by looking at this year's listing of the Hallmark Christmas movies. Anybody a Hallmark Christmas movie? Yeah, there's a couple. I see you. Well, I've never seen one, but but here's the list of them. And, and it seems to be three categories. The first one is you got to be in the right place to really have a great Christmas. So you could return to Christmas Creek, or you could have a Vermont Christmas, or you could have Christmas in Grand Valley, Christmas at the Palace, Christmas at Honeysuckle Lane. Wow. Or a small town Christmas, you know. No one ever has a big city Christmas, but, you know, I don't know, just a small town. So you be in the right place. The other thing category is you have to be with just the right person, right? You have to be with that person who is just, you know, uh, in love. And so some of the movies related to that are Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe. I kid you not. That's one of the names of them. And Gingerbread Romance. Some of you are right. What, what time is that on? And, 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 and a, a, a Boyfriend for Christmas. There's a, there's a movie called A Kiss for Christmas. Then there's one called another kiss for Christmas, and then there's one called Midnight Kiss, and I assume that happens at Christmas. I'm not sure, but, but all these things. There's one called When the Heart Calls the Greatest Christmas Blessing, and so, so you have to be in the right place with the right person, and the other big theme that shows up in, all, in so many of these movies, most of these movies, is this thing of home. It, it's, it's hometown Christmas and Christmas in our town. These are actual titles. Home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. Going home for Christmas. Mingle all the way. Time for me to come home for Christmas, a family Christmas, a reunited Christmas, and memories of Christmas at home. And so there seems to be this this pressure we put on Christmas, on these themes, that they would somehow or another satisfy us. You know, one of the greatest gifts God gives us is not letting us find satisfaction in anything in this world. Now, don't get me wrong, we can enjoy life, we should enjoy family, we should invest in these things, the the romance is beautiful, all those kinds of things about it. But at the end of the day, if you are left with an ache, if you are left with a sense of dissatisfaction, if you are left with some longing, 
that is actually a good thing. Because God loves you too much to let you be satisfied with anything in this this world. Now, as part of Home for Christmas, we're going to do a couple uh, really cool things. One is we're going to move into our new home for Christmas. And so we're, we're planning on doing that in two weeks. Don't clap yet. I'm a little freaked out. Uh, we got a lot going on. So we really need your help. So in the next two weeks particularly, it's going to be a lot of finishing up. If you walk in there, you're going to see, man, this place is a mess. We need tons of people to clean. In fact, over the next two weeks, I want to challenge you. If you've got a small group and you meet for a small group at evening, what would it look like for you to cancel your small group meeting and, and, and have your Christmas party here helping us get some stuff finished? Because we need kind of an all-hands-on-deck for the next two weeks. And it's not real skill stuff. It's, it's laying carpet squares. It's cleaning. But it'll help us get into this venue. The big things are either up or we've got the tradespeople coming in to, to finish it up. We were on schedule, but we really kind of need an all-hands-on-deck push to get us over the top. And it's going to be just a wonderful place where we can invite friends and family for Christmas and Christmas Eve. Uh, and we'll just have plenty of room, which is going to be a very cool thing. So, so that's one of the things we're doing. The other thing we're doing is we're again doing our Christmas offering. So you'll find these red offer, uh, envelopes. They're going to be uh, in your program next week. And we've got them at the Connection Center. And, and what our Christmas Christmas offering is, is because we have Christmas Eve service, the offering for that night and anything that comes in during Christmas in these envelopes, we put towards um, what we call missions or, or outreach, and, and there's all kinds of stuff we do throughout the community. If you're interested in what those things are, you can actually pick up one of these and find out who our ministry partners are for this year, as well as many, many short-term uh, students and, and different people who go on trips this summer. But but this is the, this is who we're supporting. And, and this this year, like every year, we're having a couple special emphasis um, that we're really wanting to make a more significant gift um, than we've ever made before to a couple organizations. A couple of them are all related to people going home. One is Hope Gospel is finishing their men's shelter and their women's shelter, and we want to help create some interiors for that and help get some of the furnishings for that. So we want to be a real big part of that. That's going to be part of this offering. You've heard us talk about Forgotten Initiative. That's the whole thing with supporting foster care uh, uh, families who are taking people into their homes home, uh, young people, kids who need a place. The need for that has exploded. That's going to be part of this. Uh, next weekend is going to be a super fun weekend. Uh, Teen Challenge Choir is going to come. And if you were here last year, if you've heard them, if you love stories of redemption and love stories of just God working in people's lives who are in just really difficult situations, this next weekend is just going to be one of the best weekends of the year. And, and we're going to want to support them. And then there's a, a church planter, uh, uh, Tony Antivero, who's been here. And he works with Hispanic church planting in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and we're supporting him to help plant churches for people who have moved here from other parts of the world who are making this place their home and, and need a church home. And so it's an exciting thing. And so, so, so this is part of the Christmas offering. But more than anything else, um, we're talking about this thing of longing. We're talking about this thing. And, and I want to talk about this thing about longing in relationship to home this weekend because home is messy. Now, now, one of the things I want you to understand about this series is we're going to be talking about Jesus because that's pretty much what we talk about here is Jesus. And, 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 and we just finished a series called Seven where we looked at the glorified Jesus, right? The big Jesus, Jesus who shows up. He is the Christ. Now, the Christ is his official glorified God, big, just Jesus, wow. Well, during this Christmas season, we're going to look at the other aspect of Jesus. We're going to look at the human Jesus. We're going to look at the Jesus who came as flesh and bone. We're going to look at that, that wonderful Christmas theological truth called incarnation. Incarnation means God with us. God became one of us. He, he, be, he made, you know, like us. And, and here's the deal about how Jesus 
came to earth, he didn't protect himself. He didn't, you know, like set up these force fields where, where you know, only certain things could touch him. He got into mess. He came at a, a horrible time where great injustice into poverty. And, and one of the things we're not aware of is, is that Jesus walked in to a really messed up family. Now, I know this will blow your mind because you've seen Jesus' family in the nativity scene, right? They're the people going like this. I don't know what they're looking at, but they're just in. Baby Jesus is there. He looks like he's like 12 in the, in the manger. The, the, the Mary in our nativity scene has red hair. I guess she was Irish. I'm not sure how that worked. But, 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 but you get this idea of the porcelain Jesus family. But what I want you to see, and we'll see this weekend, is that Jesus' family was messed up. And particularly his extended family was messed up. So if you're saying to yourself, this thing at home is hard for me because going home is a hard thing. It's a painful thing. Well, Jesus gets that. Now, let's do a little bit of background here um, by looking at at John chapter 1, verse 1, and just see how far Jesus came to enter into our homelessness, into our homelessness. And and let me just just say this, this before I jump in the scripture. Spiritually speaking, we're homeless, We've been homeless since the very first story in the Bible. The very first story in the Bible is God created the man and woman. He put them in a home, put them in this garden, this place where they had meaning and purpose and relationship and significance. They could walk with him. Sin came in, messed it out. They were kicked out of the garden, and an angel was put in front of the garden with a sword saying, you're not allowed to go back here because your sin has made it just that it's no longer appropriate there. And ever since then, we've been wandering We've been trying to find a place. We've been trying to figure out how to love each other. We've been trying to figure out how to belong. And Jesus came in and he stepped into our homelessness and he has provided a way for us to start journeying home. But here's the deal. We're not home yet. You know, we used to sing an old hymn, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through, you know. Uh, and, but a lot of us are treating it like this Life is home. And and what we have here is where the meaning and the significance is. That is too much pressure to put on this life. Because this life is full of longing and disappointment and confusion. Ultimately, the Bible starts with a story about being at home and losing home. But it ends with the story of us going home. This new Jerusalem where there's no more tears, no more suffering. Where we're reunited, where we're healed. And, And so we are on a journey to go home. But in this, we find ourselves, spiritually speaking, all of us homeless. So, so look what happened. John chapter 1 verse 1, it says this. It said, in the very beginning, there was this word. And that was a, that's a name for Jesus. That's a kind of a divine name for Jesus. It's, it's, it's the divine logos. It means in Greek, logos. It means he was just like the everything. He was everything that was to be spoken. He spoke into being and, and he was there. He's in the beginning. And the word, look at this, was with God. He had a home. And, and, and in that incredible relationship of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he lived in perfect contentment. Jesus did not create us because he was lonely. Jesus was completely satisfied in his love relationship with the Father. And he had this thing of home. He said it was with God, and he, look at this, he was God. And so he was complete. He had it made. He was with God in the beginning. He says, now, through through him all things were made. He made everything, and without him, nothing that has been made has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now, look at this. He said, when he came, he shone light into our darkness, into our homelessness, but that darkness did not understand it. And so Jesus walked into our homeless humanity, he walked into the human family, and he walked, you're going to see, into his biological family, and they just did not understand. Have you ever felt not understood by your family? Well, if that's where you're at, 
Jesus gets that. Now, now it doesn't stop there. He, he goes on to describe just some of the struggle he has with the, the, the human family, with his family, and the new family that Jesus is establishing. Watch this. It, it says in verse 10, he says, He was in the world, and, through, and though the world was made through him, look at this, the world didn't recognize him. And so the world didn't get him. The world didn't understand him. The world didn't see him. It was like he was invisible to them. He says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He says, now you're talking about my family. Now you're talking about how I relate to this thing of, of family. I feel like I'm not understood. I feel like they don't see me. They don't appreciate who I am. They don't know who I am. And, and you know, no, there's no amount that I can do for them to accept me, to receive me. They, they keep me at arm's length. You ever have a family do this? Come on, come closer. Stay away. Come closer. Stay away. Come on. You know, you ever do this? Well, that's the kind of thing that Jesus understands. He understands it in the big picture of humanity, but he also understands it in terms of his earthly family. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Now, now look at the second part of John 1 verse 10, because this is what Jesus actually came to do to speak to our homelessness, to speak to the fact that our families are just in tough shape. He's coming to establish a different family, a new family. An eternal family. He says, look at this. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to be part of a new family, to be children of God. Children born not by the biological natural descent or because some guy wanted to establish a a family, a human decision, or by the will of, of a person establishing their legacy. He says, no, no, no. This is people who are born of God, who become part of the family of God, the children of God. And, and so, so this is the point. Listen now, and, and, and don't hear me wrong, as important as your earthly biological family is, your ultimate satisfaction, your ultimate place of belonging is in your spiritual, eternal family. That, that, that's what Jesus came to do. And, and, and so this blows up just everything that we understand about satisfaction. So when we look at Christmas and home and family say, man, it's just not what I thought it was supposed to be. That's exactly what the Bible promised. It said, because in this life, it's just broken, but we're on a way to, we're on our way home. We're on our way to our eternal families. Now, Jesus got this firsthand because that, you know, we always talk about the people who resisted Jesus. There was no group that resisted Jesus as much as his family. Now, now take a look at this. Let me explain a little bit before I do that. Jesus stepped into the homeless, and I don't know if you ever thought about this, but his entire life, he struggled with this thing of homelessness. I mean, he was born in a town where he wasn't from. He had to travel to Bethlehem, so he had no family around him, and he was born in a manger. He was born homeless, and then he he started to grow a little bit, and then this evil king came to try to, to kill him, and so his father was warned in a dream, run for your life, and so Jesus had to run from the place where he was living to a foreign land, to Egypt, to live among strangers as a refugee, if we can just say it that way. And, and so here's Jesus living in Egypt. He has to hide out there. And then after a while, he's able to go home to his father's home, which was Nazareth. And Nazareth uh, would have been a place where he would have, they would have just come late and said, oh, Joseph, you're back. Where you been? Where'd you get the baby? What's going on? And, and there would have been a lot of stories about that. And one of the things you're going to see is that in the story is that one of the things his family did to him was, was that they accused him of being illegitimate. Say, well, we all know, you know, Mary's kind of pregnant when you left, and then you went, did it, all right, we don't know. And you're going to see that, and that was a big deal back then. Now, now, so when they came back to Nazareth, which you need to understand about this town that Jesus grew up in, and the place he kept going back to, is in essence, it was kind of a small, small village. Think, you know, Bloomer, you know, all right, something small like that. And here's the deal about that, you know, Osseo, or something like that. Here's the deal about that. 
It was just a collection of cousins. It was just a collection of cousins. Anybody else going to town where they're related to everybody? You know, oh, you're my cousin. You're so-and-so's kid. All right, I think we're related. I don't know how it works, you know. All right, all that kind of stuff. And so, so it was a collection of cousins. So everybody knew everybody else. And family was huge. And so if you got outside with the family, you were breaking rules. You were breaking taboos. It was just a really difficult thing. And family took care of family. And so Jesus was in the midst of this. And so when Jesus came to his town and he started doing the things he did, they started getting upset. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, we read about this. So, so Jesus comes and he's teaching the people and he's talking about the kingdom of God and he's talking about being the fulfilling of prophecy, talking about being the Messiah. And, and this was the response of the people in his town. And this would have been his, his cousins, his aunts, his uncles, all the people there. And, and they said to him, they said to him, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not, um, uh, is his mo- mother not called Mary? Now, now just to understand some of the context historically, is that phrase right there would have been stunningly offensive. Because they they should have said properly, is this not Jesus, son of Joseph? Because what that does is it aligns him with his lineage. So for them to say, isn't this the carpenter's son? And the fact that they didn't use proper name in, in, in places like this, they're actually questioning whether or not He really is Joseph's son. And the fact that they mentioned then Mary is an indication that, wow, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're not even sure Joseph is the guy. And so, so, so they're looking down on Jesus. He says, and are these not his brothers? And so some of you are saying, I didn't know he had brothers. Well, he had brothers. You know, it's a surprise to us who grew up Catholic because we didn't know he had brothers. And Catholic will say it's cousins. It's just the problem is the word is brothers there. And so, 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 so these brothers... James, Joseph, Simeon, Judas, um, are they not with us? And doesn't he, aren't his sisters with us as well? And so, so basically they're saying, who is this guy? Where does he get this stuff? Who does he think he is? Here, he grew up just like the rest of us here. And, and now he's, he's, he's coming and he's saying all these things. He said, where did this man get all these things? Look at this in verse 57. And I know this has never happened in your family. It just happens sometimes in the family. And they took offense with him. They took offense with him. Now, now I don't know if you've been in the situation where you did something to offend family, you're not exactly sure what you did. And if you knew, you'd probably apologize, but you're just not sure. But it's just one of these things. And, and part of what it might have been is that here's this Jesus who was presumptuous enough to come up and say, you know what, I'm something significant. I'm, I've got teaching here, and, and there was jealousy there probably, there was fear there. there, there was resentment. Another story we haven't got time to look at is when Jesus was doing some teaching in the synagogue in his hometown, so preaching in his local church, they got so mad at what he said, they were going to throw him off a cliff. Now, we, we know Jesus just kind of walked through him and he got away because he's Jesus and, and he's powerful and they, they didn't do it, but, but the next day you just wonder what it was kind of like for his brothers and sisters in town. They're like at work, go, dude, what was with Jesus yesterday? He almost got thrown off a cliff. You guys got to pull this together. He's embarrassing you. He's embarrassing the family. Who do you guys think that you are? And so there's a fence going on. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own household. Some of the people who will have the most difficult time accepting your growth, accepting your Christianity, accepting when you start leaving bad things behind and start doing good things will be family. And Jesus experienced that too. And look at this next verse, 58. so amazing. It says, and he did not do many mighty works in his hometown. And you would get the idea that that'd be the place he'd want to do the most. And isn't it the case that you would do so much for your family if they would just let you? 
You know, and you would serve and you would help and, and you'd want to show them and, and then you just didn't because of their unbelief. And so Jesus met the most resistance, the most unbelief in the place where he was known best. Now, now a lot of you have cared for you for a long time, says there must be something wrong with me because if those who know me best reject me, well, then I must be doing something wrong. That is not, always, it might be the case there's something wrong with you, but that's not always the case, all right? Because if that were true, it's true of Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't doing anything right, wrong. He was doing everything right. And in the midst of doing everything right, many times family who either doesn't get it or who are threatened by it or who are not yet ready to leave behind the things they should leave behind, they will take offense with you. They will struggle with you. Family's messy. Home is messed up. And, and it's, it's all there. Now, it doesn't stop there. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse, or rather, let me just tell you about Luke chapter 8, verse 19. There was a story where, where Jesus was um, teaching, and there was a huge crowd, and his brothers and, and his mother came, and they wanted to see Jesus. Now, understand, Jesus would have been the oldest of his family, and at this point, his father's out of the picture. Tradition tells us that his father, Joseph, has died. And so as the firstborn, the family would have said, hey, you got responsibilities here. And so when they wanted to come and see Jesus, that was kind of a big deal. And, 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 and they were expressing their disappointment and Jesus not living up to his responsibility. And at that point, Jesus looked around and he said, who are my brothers and sisters? He said, is it not everybody who does the will of God? And so what he was doing this was an opportunity to say to his disciples, look, we have our earthly families and we got some responsibilities to our earthly families, but at the end of the day, we're part of something bigger. We're part of the family of God. Now, now this tension between Jesus and his family, it gets deeper and deeper. Look how deep it goes. In Mark chapter 3, verse 20, we read this. It said, then he went home. Jesus went home again. Okay, isn't that an amazing statement there? And the crowd gathered again so that he couldn't even eat. So people were coming in. They're hearing him. It, 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 it's just overwhelming. Look at this, verse 21. And his family, when his family heard of it, because they're, they, someone came and said, Jesus is down here again. He's making a scene. It's embarrassing everybody. He's, he's talking like he's the Messiah. Come on. Delusions of grandeur. You know, it's, it, it, says, it says his family heard it and they went to seize him. Okay? For they were saying, he's nuts. He's crazy. And, and they start questioning him and start questioning his motives and start questioning all that he's doing in the midst of this. It doesn't stop there. Another story in John chapter 7, verse, verse 1. And this one's particularly, particularly dark. It says this, it says, after this, Jesus went about into Galilee. He's from Galilee. He's from his region. Um, he would not go into Judea because the Jews were seeking him. And so Jesus was in the northern part of the land where he was from. He wasn't going to the southern part of the land where Jerusalem was because he knew that the people down there, you know, um, were going to kill him, um, that they were trying to kill him. So he would not go into Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. Verse 2, now the Jews, uh, now, now the Jews, the feast of the temple, uh, the booth was at hand. Um, verse 3, so his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea. Your disciples may also, so that your disciples may also see the works that you are doing. For no one who works in secret, if he seeks to be known, no one works in secret, if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world, for not even his brothers believed in him. You see that? So basically his brothers said, you know, everybody knows that when Jesus goes south, they're going to kill him. And so they come to Jesus with mocking and manipulation and head games. I know that doesn't happen to your family. And they say, you know what? You're a big man, Jesus. You're a big, fancy man. 
You know what you should do? You should go down there and you should, because you're doing all these mighty things, you should go down and do it so all your disciples can see it in Jerusalem. Because, you know, if you're trying to be an important person, you should go down where there's a lot of people. Not a lot of people up in the north, but down in Jerusalem, there's a whole lot of people. Knowing that, that his life was in danger down there. And then for it to come back and to say those ones who knew him best, who grew up with him, they didn't believe in him. And one of the most difficult things is when you're trying to do and you're trying to improve, you're trying to walk, and the people who are supposed to know you best and walk with you, they don't believe in you. They don't understand you. They don't receive you. They don't get it. And, and, and what I want you to see, maybe if you don't hear anything else, if you're in that place this weekend, is Jesus gets that. He felt that. He was flesh and bone in that way. And, and sometimes we got family stuff because of mistakes we've made and things we've done, and I get that. But sometimes it's their problem, not yours. Sometimes it's about what they don't get, and, 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 and there's nothing you're going to be able to do to solve that. Now, 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 Jesus, Jesus uh, uh, is, is coming now to establish a, a different kingdom, a different family. And listen, we want our family to be part of that. But that's a choice that they made. I remember when I first became a Christian, boy, it, it freaked my family out. I always tell the story that I, I had brothers and sisters who were addicted to stuff and made some teen pregnancies, and we had this going on, that going on, just really hardcore stuff. But when I became a Baptist, my mom went and talked to the priest because that was serious, you know. That was the deal. Oh, my gosh, what's going on? In those early days when I started doing my first sermons, my, I had family mocking me and making fun of me and, and ridiculing me. And who does he think he is? And you're letting down the family and all these kinds of things like that. And, 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 and there was a point at that point where I just had to accept the fact that, listen, for time being, they're not going to understand it. They're not going to receive it. They're not going to get it. It was about a year after I became a Christian where I was talking to my mom about this, and I explained who Christ was, and she accepted Christ. Then over the years, that brothers and sisters who, who have slowly come to, to love Christ and know Christ, now brothers and sisters raising their kids to know Christ, and so it spread throughout the family, but, but that's because of what God did. But, but, but here's the deal. Now they're brothers and sisters in Christ as well as brothers and sisters. But I will say, I have earthly friends, uh, people who are not biological friends, who are brothers and, and sisters in Christ, who are actually closer to me than, than my biological family. And, and, and that's, 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 that's a, a, a hard thing, but it's a powerful thing too. Because I've, I've recognized that family on this earth is going to be messy. It's not going to satisfy. Home on this earth, to make it be the thing that's, that's the Hallmark movie perfect kind of thing, that puts too much pressure on it. And what that longing for, that doesn't mean I don't want that, 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 that longing that, what that longing does is I've redirected it now to my eternal home. I just, I just accept the fact that I'm not going to be satisfied here. I just accept the fact that I can't fix this and there's a lot I can't control here. But there is a time, there's a place where I'm fully known. I'm fully believed in. I'm fully understood. I'm fully accepted. And, and I'm the kind of person who can return that to everybody else. And that fulfillment of home becomes this most beautiful thing. Now what that does then, listen now, this is cool, is it comes that full circle and it causes, gives me the freedom to accept what I have for what it is. I just understand that, that I can celebrate the family I have because it doesn't have to be my set, total sense of satisfaction. I, I can celebrate the home I have and the home that I want to build because I recognize, you know, it is, is, a, it is a foreshadowing of what's to come. And in all of those times where you have a great moment or you get a great glimpse or it's just, it just oh, this is the way it should be. And it just does, why is it not like this all the time? Listen, what that is, is it's a foretaste. It's a down payment 
on the eternal. And longing, listen, that's why I say lean into longing. Longing causes us to look for that, to anticipate that. And it frees us to live this life well because all the pressure's off now. All the pressure's off. Now, now Jesus invested in his eternal family and his disciples because he was starting to establish a new a spiritual family and, and a family, but he never gave up on his family. Here's some of the backstory of what happened to some of these. Just the fact that Jesus never wrote his family off. He just did for him what he could. He didn't let him control him. But, but he, here on the cross, Jesus' brothers are nowhere to be found, but his mom's there at the foot of the cross. And so he says to one of his spiritual brothers, to John, his disciple, and he said, listen, John, someone's going to need to take care of mom. Here's your mother, mother, here's your son. And so he provides for his mother. He, he takes care of his family, loves his family as he should. And, and then, then we, we know about a couple of the other lists of names of those brothers of Jesus. And we know that several of the brothers actually became followers of Christ and, and became leaders in the church of Jerusalem. And the one we probably know best is the brother whose name is James. Because James, the Bible tells us, is, is the half-brother of Jesus. That's how he introduces himself in the book of James. So when you read the book of James, understand the author of that book is a dude who grew up with Jesus. And that's why we're not surprised that when we read James... That, that every major theme that Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount is also taught in the book of James. And so James is basically reteaching what he learned from Jesus. And so after all the, the I hope you go away and die, and I don't believe you, and I think you're crazy, and all that, God, and I can't wait to get to heaven to hear the story about how James figured it out. It comes full circle, and, and James not only becomes his, his, his earthly brother, but he becomes his spiritual brother. And, 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 and God does a great work there. And, and, and sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't happen. But at the end of the day, the, the healing comes um, um, when we set our heart, our longing on, on, on the eternal. You know, uh, I like to camp. You know, um, my son Ben loves to camp. He goes on trips in Bonnerado for like 17 days. Truth be told, after about three days, I'm just really looking forward to a shower. I have a friend who says, you know, I don't like to camp. Camping is called homelessness. And so I like being inside where it's warm and nice. But here's the deal. Spiritually speaking in this life, we're camping. We're on a trip. And, and there are times we just want to shower. This is time it's not satisfying. We just like to turn on some heat. But you know what? We get to go home. And when we recognize that we get to go to that place of ultimate satisfaction, it changes absolute everything. Let me challenge you with a couple next steps here from this. First next step I want to challenge you is, is this year, again, we provided some Advent devotions. Grab one of these. And, and if you're not doing any spiritual formation, there's a scripture verse and a reading. You know, if you're a husband and wife, you know, and you don't really do stuff like this together, do this for Christmas, just this, this Advent season. Just one reading every day. Super short, you know, great, great dates, but powerful teaching. Some of the best Christian minds in the, in the greater Christian community have written these. Um, and, and if you're doing them, if you've got a family, do them as a family. Uh, there's, there's material in here in for small groups. So, so grab the Advent, Advent devotion and, and do that. The second is, is lean into longing. Okay, lean into longing. When you feel that ache, allow yourself to feel that ache. And then let that ache turn you to Christ. Let it turn your thoughts to your eternal home. Let, let it free you from the pressure of making this life satisfying. Because this life is not going to be satisfying. It's just not. You know what makes this life enjoyable? When you quit putting all the pressure on it, 
to make it your source of satisfaction. You then can start to enjoy this life when you say ultimately the fulfillment comes there. This just is what it is. I'm passing through. I can enjoy it, but I've got another home. I've got another place where I'm known and I can know. So lean into the longing. That's part of what the Christmas offering is all about. As we take this offering, we're emphasizing helping people who are less fortunate than we are. And it helps us remember, you know, that our longing and our ache may not be significant compared to what other people are going through. For for, for those of us who have complicated family situations, let me just encourage you, just let those be what they are. And and when you have disappointments or hurts there, you know, find a healthy way to say, you know what, there's things I can't control, but ultimately... I know who I am in Christ. I know that I'm accepted by Christ. And, and if you guys don't understand yet, if you guys haven't received it yet, if you guys can't, 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 can't believe in it yet, you know what? I'm just going to take a step back. I'm going to love you. But, but at the end of the day, I'm, gonna, I'm going to set my affections on that someday. The other thing you might do, and, and I had to do this for a long time, is you might just lean into the spiritual family you have brothers and sisters and group and people who you call who just know you. The closest people in my life are friends, spiritual brothers and sisters who God has given me, and that has been a beautiful, beautiful thing. I want to say one word to, to all of the many people in our, our church who are in recovery. Hey, Christmas is that time. You know what I'm talking about, where you feel that ache, and that ache can make you turn to some of the patterns before. This is the time you need to be going to your groups to be going to meetings, and to be hanging out with people who are on the journey with you, to make good choices, not put yourself in bad places. And you know what? Um, 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 this is just a time that you really need to, to work at Celebrate Recovery and those gatherings. So the last thing I want to challenge you with in just the next, next step is simply this, is that this Christmas could be the most important Christmas for you because longing, that ache, you know, could wake up something in you that could lead to you finding eternal life. Because here's the deal. Very often, you know, um, um, we're going after stuff, and maybe we get some of it, and we find it unfulfilling, so we go after something else, and you know what? You know, um, uh, we don't get it. And, and then after a while, we get to this point, you know, we're saying, I wonder if anything's worth going after. I wonder if there's any meaning. I wonder if any significance. And, and, and that ache scares us, that longing scares us, and sometimes we try to medicate or we buy stuff or we try to pressure into having the, you know, the perfect Griswold Christmas kind of thing, you know, all that kind of thing. But, but here's, the, here's the, the thing. When you recognize two things about that ache, that ache, that longing, is an indication that you were created for something more. Just like when you get thirsty, it's an indication that you were created to drink. That's an indication that there's something for you that will satisfy that longing. So when you understand that longing, all right, I was created for something more. And then when you take a step back and you realize, okay, if there's nothing in this earth that satisfies me, then i got to look to something else. And the place I want to ask you to look is to the person of Jesus Christ, the one who was in perfect satisfaction, the one who was in a perfect family, the one who just, you know, had everything just the way he would have wanted it, who stepped out of that flesh and bone to become humanity so that you could become part of his family. And, and even uh, to become part of his family with the promise that, that, that someday we get to go home. You know, one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples, he said this. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. He says, trust in God, trust in me. He said, in my father's house are many rooms. In my father's house are many rooms. He says, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
you got to know, I'm not going to go to all that effort and not come back and take you to be with me where you are. And, and so, so this Christmas could be the, 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 the Christmas where you open your heart up to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me just explain how it worked. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus. And Jesus Christ died on the cross. And on the cross, he took all of your sin, all of your brokenness, and he paid the price for it. He removed it from you as far as these from the West. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's what that first verse said, to those who believe in him, he gave the privilege, the right, to be called sons and daughters of God. When you believe in him, then you become part of his family. And you start feeling some of that ache satisfied, but it won't be completely satisfied on this earth. And thank God for that. Because, listen, you can't keep anything on this earth. If your satisfaction was in this earth, you got to give it back at the end of the story. And as far as you know, death is 100% fatal, right? Everybody's got to face it, right? And so you give it back. But if your satisfaction is in heaven, you never give that back. It just grows and expands and becomes more complete, and you become more complete to receive more of it. It is a place of growth and discovery. That's your home. Set your heart on things above, Jesus said, not on things below, where, where rust and moth conceal. Set your heart on things above. That's your home. And when you set your heart here, then all of a sudden, all the disappointments, all the longing, all the, all the lack here is just a reminder of where you're going. It actually becomes a source of joy. That, that's why... Advent is a season of longing and joy. It is a season where I long, but I rejoice. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray a prayer. I want to pray a prayer, and I want to just challenge you. This is a prayer of salvation, a prayer of asking Christ to come to your life, asking for forgiveness. And if you want this prayer to be your prayer, then, then let my words be the words your heart says to God, asking him to welcome you into his family. Let, let me pray, and, and let this prayer be your prayer. God, I, I need you. This world isn't enough. I admit I'm dissatisfied, I'm longing, I'm looking for more, and there's nothing on this earth that can satisfy me. So I look up and I look to you, and I ask you to speak to the longing, speak to the ache. Lord Jesus, I recognize that sin's come into my life, it's come to the world, and I need your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? I believe in what you did for me on the cross. I put my faith and trust in what you did for me on the cross. And I believe the promises we just read from the scriptures that Because I'm believing in you, you're going to make me your son. You're going to make me your daughter. You're going to make me your child. And I'm going to become part of your family. And in spite of the disappointments in this life, there's a place being prepared for me, a room for me, a place for me where I'm understood, where I'm accepted, where I'm known, where I'm forgiven. And so, Jesus, I just ask you, I just ask you to come into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to help me set my heart on you. Free me, Father, from from trying to find satisfaction in this life and just letting what I have be what it is and and enjoying the good parts and and overcoming the difficult parts. Help me just love the people who are in front of me as I can because the really important stuff is sealed in heaven. Help me, Father God, just to to be free from focusing on my own satisfaction to start caring about other people who are around me, that I might live this life well in a way that's pleasing to you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Let this longing, let this ache not be something I push away, that it be something I embrace because it will lead me back to you. And I I just thank you for this. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. You came to be like us. You came flesh and bone. You you just came to be like us. And because of that, we just want to say we love you and, 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 and we need you in our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.